Hello, this is Mark Peacock, and welcome to the Travel Commons Podcast. This is Travel Commons Podcast number 181, recorded Saturday, November 13th, 2021. This is the podcast giving the voice of the traveler. It's more about the journey than the destination. Two topics on this edition of the Travel Commons Podcast. Travel Potpourri for 600 and the 2021 Traveler's Gift Guide. Coming to you from the Travel Commons studios in Chicago, Illinois, only two weeks after the last episode, decided to kind of short cycle this episode, see if I can get in an actual November episode in November, rather than wait for December, like I said at the end of the last episode. You know, and to think, I used to do these weekly when I started out uh, the Travel Commons podcast in uh, 2005. You know, the enthusiasm of youth and notebooks full of unused travel stories. I was going through some of those old episodes while doing a bit of website maintenance. The the TSA really gave me a lot of fodder for content back in the day. It was only three and a half years old, the TSA was, when Travel Commons started. So I got to comment on, you know, bitch about, uh, all the TSA's growing pains, the start of the shoe carnival, the liquid ban, all the different tries at screening technology. I mean, who could forget those puffer machines? And then, of course, as always, was their stellar customer service. But, you know, once I started going through pre-check way back in 2012, I mean, there wasn't much more to comment or bitch about. They they kind of got that right, which, you know, I know I, I know that's a good thing overall, but I will tell you, it did leave me with a big content hole, you know, kind of like in those TV series where the, the villain becomes one of the good guys in, say, I don't know, season three. What do you do next? And, and so now, 16 years on, as I slouch towards semi-retirement, my travel experiences are changing. I'm thinking less about clever new ways to navigate O'Hare's Monday morning road warrior rush hour or, you know, about totaling up delays on a four or five city cross-country itinerary. I'm not thinking about that as much as I'm really thinking more about planning for longer, I don't know, leisure, experiential travel. Though, you know, I guess it's not a complete change. Going Again, going back through some of those old episodes reminded me that even at the start, I was talking about leisure travel. I mean, to the point that episodes number eight and nine were done while on vacation. I can only imagine what my family was thinking when they heard me nattering away in the bathroom of the Geneva, Switzerland Novotel or the uh, Budapest Marriott. But, you know, fast forward back up to the present. Obviously, no travel since the last episode, just travel planning for our trip to the UK next week, a week in London, and then heading out to South Wales for a week of walking, hiking. I don't know, pretty much just being cold and wet because I guess we just didn't get enough of that while biking in Puglia. A big chunk of my time has been spent trying to figure out exactly what COVID paperwork we need to be able to get into the UK. Now, since we're vaccinated and coming from a non-red list country, we don't need to show a negative COVID test before getting on the plane. But instead, we have to get a test done in the UK and have to prepay for it so we can fill out a passenger locator form 48 hours before departure. The UK government's website is actually, actually, it's pretty good with links to approved test providers, but most of them want to ship the test to a UK address, which is good if you're returning home to the UK, less good if you're staying in a hotel or Airbnb. So now I'm trying to figure out what to do. Do I risk a long line at a Heathrow test center when we land? 
Or do I find a place somewhere in London the next day? You know, uh, all this stuff kind of makes me long for the days when all I had to worry about was finding a bank before 3 p.m. on Friday so I could cash an American Express traveler's check so we had cash for the weekend. Nah, now, who who am I kidding? I mean, no, that was just much more of a pain than this, because this is a one-off thing, and that was like almost every other day trying to find a bank. Uh, this We'll work through this. I mean, worst case, I figure out how to eat a full-cooked English breakfast standing up while I'm in line. So following up. This time last year, in the November 2020 episode, we talked about the end-of-year don't-leave-me offers from airlines and hotels. They were, I don't know, 20 to 50% cuts in whatever metric they use to award status. Stays, nights, miles, segments, spend, I don't know, phase of the moon. And at the end of that bit, I said, well, you know, maybe they'll be doing it again this time next year if that, well, it's probably more like the end of 2021 or maybe the beginning of 2022 before things start to feel normal, uh, whether that forecast ends up being true. A year later, and after the Delta variant knocked down everyone's Q3 revenues, while I haven't received any airline status sales yet, I've already received status extensions from Marriott, Hilton, and weirdly enough, IHG, which is weird because I don't have any status with them um, that I know of. I don't know. Maybe I need to check. But anyhow, all of these, Marriott, Hilton, IHG, they're all extending status for another year to February or March 2023. So everyone's kept their 2019 status for, what, three years now? 20, uh, 2020, 2021, and now 2022. And And really, why not? I mean, since a lot of the cost is concierge lounges that have been closed for a couple of years now and free breakfasts that, again, now are just boxes with, I don't know, a a little thing of yogurt and an orange, rolling status over is probably the cheapest way to buy continued customer loyalty. We've talked a lot in this podcast about Uber and Lyft. I mean, back in episode 154 in August 2019, I asked, will we still love Uber and Lyft when the prices go up? And that was after both CEOs talked about getting to what they called rational pricing, rational being CEO speak for higher. And then this year, talking about their post-pandemic driver shortages, customer service issues, and rising prices, it's been a pretty common topic on the podcast and really everywhere else. The Times of London asked this past weekend, is Uber dead? And the Chicago Tribune says in an editorial, we were wrong to abandon Chicago's taxi cabs for ride shares, and the city now needs to find a fix, which is a bit of a laugh, actually, because, I don't know, four to five years ago, everyone in Chicago complained that you couldn't get a cab other than in downtown or the airports, and definitely you could never get a cab in any of the poorer neighborhoods of the uh, south and west sides. But anyhow, if you read the highlights of Uber's Q3 financial results, which were released last week, in the words of Monty Python, they're not quite dead yet. They trumpet that Q3 was their first adjusted EBITDA profitable quarter as a public company. That's a mouthful. Adjusted EBITDA, a fun accounting construct meaning earnings before tax, depreciation, and all the other bad stuff we don't want to think about. And also, the number of active drivers is up more than 65% since January, since the start of this year. But what was interesting to me 
their delivery business, kind of like their Uber Eats and some of the other stuff, now generates more revenue than their traditional ride business. And I don't know, maybe that's competing for drivers and causing some of these customer service problems. I mean, it does make sense in a way, as the Times uh, writer put it. Look, food doesn't complain about the route, and parcels tend not to throw up on your back seat. Back in episode 170 last December, we talked about how the CEO of Qantas had stirred up a good bit of controversy, saying we will ask people to have a vaccination before they can get on the aircraft. And then there was the resulting sort of land grab in vaccine passport apps. United and Lufthansa were testing out the Common Pass app, Delta and Alitalia, may you rest in peace, uh, the AOK app from the International Chamber of Commerce. British Airways and Iberia were doing a travel pass for from IATA, which is an airline industry group. Now, I said back then, you know, 11 months ago, that, you know, this was a little messy, but it made sense since I didn't think the handwritten card that the CDC was handing out was going to pass muster at a boarding gate. So, again, now less than a year later, the Qantas CEO's quote is pretty much standard operating procedure for international travel. But the vaccine passport apps? A little more mixed. Uh, last month, I flew Air France, United, Lufthansa, and ITA, which is the successor to Alitalia, and was never prompted to download any app. Instead, I pulled out my trusty handwritten CDC card many times to prove my vaccination status. And for my flight home, I ended up opening up Gmail on my iPhone a couple of times to show the PDF of my negative COVID test. Pretty low tech, but honestly, at least in Italy, it worked usually faster than the EU's green pass QR codes. Irene and I would rock up, show our CDC cards, and after a second or two be waved through while the Europeans were still trying to right-size the QR code on their phone screen so the scanner would register it. Upgrading to iOS 15.1 on my iPhone let me add a digital vaccination card to my Apple wallet, but honestly, I just don't know where I'll actually use it. And hey, if you've got any travel stories, questions, comments, tips, rants, the voice of the traveler, send them along. Comments, C-O-M-M-E-N-T-S at TravelCommons.com. You can send a Twitter message to M. Peacock, post your thoughts on the Travel Commons Facebook page or the Instagram account at Travel Commons. Or as always, you can go old school and post them on the website at TravelCommons.com. So the first topic on today's Travel Commons podcast is Travel Potpourri for 600. Regular listeners know that every now and again, usually when I'm scraping for content, I gather up all the odds and ends from my travel notebooks that I can't get to grow up into a standalone topic and just string them together into a Jeopardy-like topic I call Travel Potpourri. So here we go. <laughs> As I scrape, you know, I recently read some stats about how the March 2020 lockdown impacted Nashville's airport. Daily passenger count went from 50,000 to 500. That's a it's a couple of zeros lopped off. And only eight airport concessions out of a pre-COVID count of 52 survived. And now here we are 20 months later, passenger counts are pretty much back up to pre-pandemic levels, but the concession count isn't. They're only back to 34. There's 18 food places and 16 other things, you know, shops, newsstands, other random sorts of bits. 
And it, that makes sense because, you know what, I mean, it takes more time to start things up than to shut them down, especially when you have to get all your workers and supplies through TSA security every day. I got to tell you, I'm going to keep this in mind the next time I want to complain about a 10 deep line for a cup of coffee. Now, traveling to Europe again means rebookmarking the prepaid data SIM card wiki that I've mentioned in many previous podcasts. It's really my go-to website for researching mobile data plans. Now, I don't know, say four or five years, I didn't really have to worry about researching mobile data plans. The EU had done away with roaming charges, so I just used the UK SIM that I had bought the first time we took our daughter over to Scotland for college. I just would use that and reload it. I mean, that worked well until Brexit Day last year. So on our first day in Bari uh, last month, I searched out the nearest TIM store. TIM, I think, stands for Telecom Italia Mobile Mobile but say mobile with an Italian accent. I think that's what it means. Anyhow, I wanted one of Italy's big networks because our cycling tour was going to be taking us off into the countryside out of the big cities. And so I was okay paying a bit more for better coverage. Now, the last time I bought a mobile SIM in Italy was about, I don't know, say five years ago in Pisa, and it was a huge hassle. But in Bari, we walked into the store, and the clerk was great. She'd kind of figured out, just by looking at us, I guess, that we were looking for SIMs. We looked, I guess, a bit lost, um, or maybe because we were talking English back and forth to each other. Anyhow, she knew about the international plan that I had found on their website, and she got the whole thing done for us in about 15 minutes. The price, 25 euros, which was about 30 bucks at that exchange rate, was for 70 gigabytes of data, which, you know, for all intents and purposes, translates to unlimited data for a couple of weeks. And it meant that the break-even point between buying a SIM from Tim, there you go, uh, versus paying AT&T's $10 a day international roaming charge, that break-even point was about three days. And again, since we were in Italy for 16 days, it was a well-spent 15 minutes. I was amazed at how far mobile prices have fallen. I mean, the last time I was in Europe, which was the fall of 2019, I put 10 pounds on that UK SIM, the EE SIM, which was about $12 back then, and I got three gigabytes. Now, actually, I just topped up that same SIM again for our uh, our London-Wales trip, and I got 15 gigabytes for 15 pounds. Now, that's, what, 500% increase in data for about 50% more money? I mean, there's another order of magnitude change for you. 15 gigabytes of data, I think that ought to hold us for a couple of weeks. Now, in many past episodes, I've talked about how my search for local craft beer has taken me to places outside the typical travel bubble. And for me, this is even more important since I'm doing less, I don't know, no business travel, because the nature of business travel, traveling to work with clients who live in a location, it makes it easier to connect with that place, even if it's just through hallway conversations like, so what'd you do this weekend? Uh, but most of the times it's you know, the client saying, oh, you got to go to my favorite place while you're here. Now, our Puglia bike tour ended in Lecce in lousy weather. The rain had started the night before and continued dumping the next morning. I mean, we'd skipped the last ride, uh, that Friday ride. I mean, you could say we were lightweights, but we just didn't want to have to figure out how to pack soaking wet bike clothes. I wanted to walk around Lecce a bit before our dinner reservation, but Irene was cold from the wind and the rain, so she headed back to the hotel while I searched out a beer bar that I'd found on Untapped. 
The place was pretty empty when I walked in about 7 p.m., which I guess is early by Italian standards. The draft handles were all from a local Lecce brewery, so I asked the bartender, a young guy, you know, what's his favorite? And he pointed to the IPA tap. I mean, of course. But it was actually a pretty solid session IPA. He offered me a table, but I asked if I could just stand and drink at the counter. We started to chat a bit. He said, why have you come to Lecce? I'm not going to do an Italian accent. That's just That would be wrong. And look, his English wasn't great, though it was orders of magnitude better than my Italian, which is, I don't know, kind of damning with faint praise. But anyhow, I I started stripping down my English. No slang, no contractions, clean articulation, simple declarative sentences, just to make it easier. But, you know, in maybe, I don't know, the verbal corollary to that Mark Twain saying, I would have written a shorter letter if I had more time. I find it actually takes a lot of thinking, a lot of mental work to do this, to strip my English down to something that's easily understandable. And the bartender, he appreciated the effort. English people talk so fast, he said. I have a hard time understanding everything they say. And by making my English more understandable, he gained confidence in his English, and he pushed it into more interesting topics, like the split between northern and southern Italy. They hate us, he said. And even, you know, kind of the tribalism within Puglia. We hate Bari and Bari hates us. And why he wants to work on his English. It's so much more useful in Italian, he said. A German person, a Swedish person, they come into the bar, we all talk English. He was happy to get to practice his English, and I tell you, I was happy to oblige and get a little peek at non-tourist Puglia without having to know any Italian. The second topic on today's Travel Commons podcast is 2021 Traveler's Gift Guide. Now, last week, I posted this year's Traveler's Gift Guide. You can find it on the front page of the Travel Commons website. I'll also put a link in this episode description so that you can click to it straight from your podcast app. You know, if last year's gift guide was about helping people handle last-minute lockdowns with suggestions like bring your own dining sets and some upscale in-room coffee brewing kits, this year's guide is stacked with gift ideas to help cope with all the predicted airline meltdowns when holiday passenger traffic smacks straight into crew and ground staff shortages. I'm not going to run through the whole list. You can hit the website for that, but I'll hit a couple of highlights. Top of this year's list is battery packs. Now, we talked in the last episode that you just can't easily travel anymore without a working mobile phone. It holds our boarding passes and our proof of COVID vaccination. It gives us gate change and flight delay notifications, and it routes us around traffic jams when we're driving. A dead phone while flights are being canceled is more than just a bit of an inconvenience. Having that second or third charge immediately available is critical when you're trying to swerve a long delay. I mean, there are a lot of choices. Just pick one or two, like I do. I carry Zender and Anchor Power Banks. They've served me very well. And hey, thanks to Jim McDonough for QAing the Power Bank links in the original blog post. Thanks again, Jim. Now, number two, and a perennial favorite of mine, noise-canceling headphones or earbuds. 
That's a new ad. Whether you're sitting in a noisy airport waiting out a delay or you're up in the air, it is really great to be able to cut out all that background noise and find your Zen place with a flick of the switch. Now, I've been carrying Bose headphones for at least 15 years, and I'm now on my third pair of the Bose 700s. Now, they're in no way, shape, or form compact, yet they continue to earn their place in my travel bag. I personally find over-the-ear cans more comfortable, but if you can handle in-the-ear buds for extended periods, Bose does make earbuds, or if you're Apple ecosystem diehards, both of my kids recommend the AirPod Pros. Now, another suggestion for Apple ecosystem inhabitants is their AirTags. Uh, Apple's AirTags have a lot more range than sort of straight Bluetooth trackers like Tile because the AirTags can ping off of any nearby Apple device, not just yours, and use that to report its location. Now, putting an AirTag in your checked luggage can, you know, you can see if your bag is joining you on that new flight the airline just rebooked you on, or you can hang one from your backpack to track it if it, I don't know, somehow manages to wander down the concourse while your eyes are trying to find your delayed flight on the airport's departure board. Back in the July episode, episode 177, I said my USB-C to HDMI cable was the most important piece of travel kit on my trip through the Northeast because it let me mirror my MacBook Air on the TVs, either the hotel or the beach house TVs, and it let me sit back, have a beer, comfortably watch YouTube highlights. I mean, over the summer, it was the Euro 2020 soccer tournament uh, and the Tour de France, but I could sit back, watch them on like a 40 to 60-inch flat screen instead of sort of hunching over my 13-inch laptop screen. And at number nine on the gift guide list is a smartphone tripod. My Square Jellyfish phone tripod, (laughs) that's a fun name, it's light, it doesn't take up much space, but I will tell you it came in very handy while doing my COVID test video session in Italy the night before our flight home. The eMed test proctor wanted to watch me swirl the cotton swab in my nose five times, each nostril, and then wanted to watch me insert it into the test kit. I Honestly, I'm not sure how I would have done that while holding my phone. I end up using this little tripod a lot more than I thought I would, watch, You know, using it for video calls or to watch quick videos on my phone. Again, it surprises me, but it made the list. So there you go, something to fit all sizes and budgets in time for Black Friday and Cyber Monday, or maybe also if you're just killing time waiting for your Thanksgiving flight to leave. Okay, that's it. That's the end of Travel Commons podcast number 181. I hope you all enjoyed the show. I hope you decide to stay subscribed. You can find us and listen to us on all the major podcast sites, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. You can ask Alexa, Siri, or Google to play Travel Commons on your smart speakers. Check out always the show notes on travelcommons.com for the transcript and any links. Uh, You can also click on the link in the episode description in your podcast app. That'll take you straight to the show notes on the website also. And hey, if you've got a couple of minutes, how about leaving us a review on one of those sites? Or better yet, tell somebody about Travel Commons. Word of mouth is uh, is a great way to help help me grow the podcast. 
If you're not subscribed, hit the website at travelcommons.com. There's a drop-down subscribe menu at the top of each page, a set of subscribe links at the bottom, big red subscribe button in the middle of the homepage. Across the bottom of each page on the website, you'll find the links to the Travel Commons social, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You know, subscribe to the Instagram account and you'll see some pics. Actually, you would see pics from last month's Puglia and, uh, and Sicily trip. And going forward, you'll see this month's pictures from London and Wales. And if you've got a story, thought, comment, gripe, the voice of the traveler, send them along, text or audio file to comment, C-O-M-M-E-N-T-S at travelcommons.com, and Peacock on Twitter, write them on the Travel Commons page on Facebook or Instagram, post them on the website at travelcommons.com. Thanks to everyone who takes the time to send in emails, tweets, and post comments on the website. I really appreciate it. And hey, I hope you like this little sort of short cycle uh, episode. And until we talk again in, in December, Really, there's not going to be another episode between now and December. So in December, when we talk again, until we talk again, (laughs) take care, safe travels. Thanks for stopping by the Travel Commons. Bye now.